Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to a special season of What the Flock. We spent the first five seasons covering the topics that have caused so much damage, people don't come to church anymore. This season, our goal is to repair the Bible's reputation by taking specific Bible verses that have been abused due to man-made tradition and help you understand the ultimate answer for these verses. I'm joined by my co-host, Joel Swakowski. How you doing, Joel? I'm well. How are you, Jonathan? Excellent, excellent, excellent. This has been to hear. such a fun season. Yes. I love covering these verses. And by the end of every episode, I've just felt like the Bible just jumps out and, and it feels so much more alive. Yeah, I agree. I'm experiencing the same thing. I'm not only learning through the preparation of each of these episodes, but usually while we're doing them, I feel like I'm getting even a deeper comprehension of what God really wants us to see through these verses. Yeah, amazing. So I want to give a little disclaimer here. If you haven't listened to seasons one through five, we do encourage you to do so because everything we're going to discuss during this season is built on the foundation of the previous five seasons. So at the very least, I highly recommend listening to the episodes that are referenced during this episode because we're going to cover a lot of them. Usually we cover about four. So if you have your homework done and you're ready to go, this should be a blast for you putting this stuff together. If not, no worries. Go check out previous seasons. Yeah. And furthermore, we've seen that those first five seasons showed us that every issue we covered has two perspectives that distract people from the ultimate answer. And we even saw that create disunity within the church. We called those perspectives the strict side and the loose side. Now, the strict side, what the people do is initiate conflicts with God's word, with the Bible, by saying that they know the correct interpretation for sure. Yet when contradictions are exposed in what their belief, what their beliefs or interpretations are, they rationalize their reliance on the man-made traditions that have taken place in and taken over God's word. Now, the biggest example of this is you're a sinner and that although you can't earn your salvation by works, you better do works to prove your salvation. Now, we've we've understood and called this side really easy is a contradiction rationalizer. How do they handle a contradiction? They rationalize. Then the loose side, what these people do with the Bible, with God's word, is they avoid conflict with it by saying, we can't know anything for sure because you know, it's a paradox or we're not supposed to know, or, you know, we're too dumb to know anyways, as humans, the contradiction here is that they still want to be able to say, they know for sure that you are wrong. What we've seen is these people, we could categorize as contradiction enablers when they're exposed, a contradiction, they enable. Amazing. Let's get into the verse. What is the verse or verses we're covering today, Joel? Today we're covering Isaiah 53.10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. 
he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So that's the full verse, Isaiah 53.10. The part we're going to focus on primarily is the part right at the beginning of this verse. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Excellent. In order to look at how this verse has damaged the reputation of the Bible, or in other words, how man has taken away from what God intended this verse to be, what we've done is we've recorded messages from two of our favorite callers from the first five seasons. First, we're going to hear the strict perspective given by Apostle Tater from McMullen, Alabama. Let's hear what Apostle Tater has to say. Yeah, I used to take this verse and explain it away by saying the Hebrew word could also mean that God the Father was moved or inclined to bruise Jesus, but not that the Father wanted to, surely not that it pleased him. Joel, how would you respond to Apostle Tater's perspective? Well, what I would want, well, first, what I can see in his response is that these people who believe this need to understand how God measures what is good and how the death of Christ facilitated God's will. So what I would want them to do is listen to the God's Will series, season five, the end of season five, the last five episodes of season five. And then also the profitability episode where we really dug into the measure of profitability and talked about what good means. And that's season three, episode 11. Nice. So next, let's hear the loose perspective given by Pastor Rich from McMullen, Alabama. Let's hear what Pastor Rich has to say. You know, y'all, I used to hear the explanation that this was a paradox, that God is love and he would never hurt you or be pleased in you being hurt. We really can't understand verses like this, but it's okay because we're just not meant to. And now, Joel, how would you respond to that? People with this belief, I would have them listen to the God's Nature episode starting season six, episode one, and even the love episode going all the way back season one, episode 15. This will help them understand who God is and what love really means and how love is an objective behavior and not a feeling, not an emotion. Nice. So both sides need to understand God's nature. Right. That would kind of be the basically the, the starting point for both of these sides. For sure. And in addition, the strict side doesn't understand how God measures or what God's proof is of what is good. And the loose side doesn't understand love. So whenever these people are throwing out these definitions... And what these words mean in inaccurate representations, we can always point them back or use the, the, the doctrine that we've learned in those past episodes. Yes. Awesome. So what steps should we take to get the correct interpretation for this verse? Well, we use this, this process, a five-step process for every passage of this season. The first step, what does the Bible actually say? 
what we're doing here is we're determining if one is the verse that this person brought up even in the Bible. And if it is, we're also looking at different versions or translations. So with here, Isaiah 53.10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, is in fact in the Bible. Now, I will say this, some translations do change it to it was the Lord's will to bruise him. Mm. But yes, this verse is in the Bible. And we can move on to step two to address which of the translations would be more accurate. Okay. So step number two, what does the original language say? So what the original language will do is it'll confirm to you that the word pleased does come from the Hebrew word hapes. This word means to delight in, to take pleasure in, to desire, to be pleased with. Hmm. Now, of all the times this is used in the Bible, the one time that this word was translated as moved or moveth, where it would be the Lord was moved to bruise him instead of the Lord was pleased to bruise him, was in the book of Job. But the reason it was changed to moved in the book of Job was because using the more accurate translative wor translated word of pleased or delighted would not have been grammatically correct in the in the passage in Job. So the original language confirms that pleased comes from a Hebrew word that does mean pleased. Cool. So why would this please Jehovah? Well, that's where we go to step three to find out. Nice. So what's the context? What's fun about this, we're going to give the full context because we're going to just go through the entire chapter of Isaiah 53. Now, it's only 12 verses, so it's not a ton. <laughs> so it's not, it's this a, is 85 verses. Yeah, 85, 85 verse chapter of Isaiah. No, it's just 12 verses, cool. and it's one of the most important pro prophetic chapters describing Christ to us. So it's, it's a great chapter anyways. So amazing. So verse one, Isaiah 53, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of Jehovah been revealed? So here we see Isaiah was foretelling the few people these are rhetorical questions. What he's doing is he's making the point there will be a few amount of people who would believe in Christ. So this was a long-term future perspective that Isaiah was setting up. Verses 2 through 5, For he grew up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our 
our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Man, those are good. Beautiful. Here, little commentary break for you. A prophetic glimpse of the things Christ would do on earth. Notice, with his stripes we are healed. This brings in a purpose for the suffering that Christ went through and gives some insight into what the Father, what Jehovah was focusing on when Jesus was being, quote unquote, bruised. Oh, come on. That's awesome. Yeah, that is amazing. It's like Isaiah's giving away the answer in the context. In the context. How about that? Yeah. (laughs) What compelling literature. No kidding. It's like, I wonder if Isaiah wanted us to use these first three steps in order to understand the words he was writing. Nice. So let's go through six through nine then. And you're going to, you're going to recognize, mostly you're going to recognize this right away. It's so good. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, yet when he was afflicted, he opened not his mouth. As a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and as a sheep that is before its shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who among them considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. This is so, I mean, knowing the story of Jesus, I, I imagine reading this without knowing the story of Jesus, it wouldn't seem so obviously and directly and specifically about Jesus, but it's like, this is so a representation of what he went through. What an amazing. unbelievable, amazing human, Oh, you right. know, fully man, fully God, yeah. but what an incredible right. person Jesus was so excellent, yes. so incredible, so amazing. No, we're supposed to, we're encouraged to have the mind of Christ. Yeah. yeah right? To be like that. Yeah, wow. To be like him. Even to do, even to endure things like right. that. Wow, wow, wow. So here's some some thoughts I had about this. Is that, well, we see here a couple things in these few verses. Christ did not defend himself. He didn't speak anything but truth, even in the midst of the suffering. Mm-hmm. How would you feel about your son handling injustice and persecution so well? So proud. So be, proud. Oh, proud, amazed, just marveling, amazed. Like this is, oh, it's wondrous, isn't it? It is. It's You'd be so proud yes. of how good he's handling something so hard. Yeah. Which that idea, that's why I, I felt like, that was a good question to ask right there before I bring in the verse that we're focused on for this chapter. Cause I think it kind of gets us in as much as we can into a thought process that God, the father may have been experiencing. Then it says yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So here's 
here's what we're seeing through the context. Yeah. It pleased God to bruise him because it would result in long-term creation. The father has a long-term and an objective perspective about everything. Even when he feels things and he does feel them strongly, yeah. it doesn't get in the way of him seeing things and handling things perfectly objective every time. Right. So without Christ's death, which is really what this entire chapter is setting up, God's plan would not be possible. His will in accomplishing that plan would not be possible. And again, if you want to understand what God's will is and what God's plan is at a deeper level, listen to the God's will series like we encouraged you earlier. So it is God is seeing his will happen. Yes. Jesus is facilitating God's will happening. Right. And and you one know, of the, if not the most important and pivotal event that had to happen for God's will to be accomplished, for his plan to come to fruition, was what was happening to Jesus written through Isaiah. Right. And and we, you know, God, the eternal father, Jesus, the son, had, you know, the Holy Spirit had one opportunity to do this. Yeah, right. And this was not like you didn't get to practice this. No, there was one opportunity and they crushed it. Yeah. All nailed of it. them nailed it. Yeah. Thanks for adding that. That's the perfect just, team. It's the perfect team, right? It is. <laughs> and we wouldn't be able to be on that team without what Christ did. What's exactly. written right here. Exactly. Verses 11 and 12, they rounded out. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by the knowledge of himself. Shall my righteous servant justify many and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, will I divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Jeez. So Christ made intercession for us. This really does round it out made intercession for us he did this to bear the iniquities of many and he's continuing to intercede for us now in heaven so Ooh. here when we just take our time and go through the entire chapter of isaiah 53 we get the we get the ultimate answer and we see in this verse just like some of the other ones this season we only needed the first three steps of our interpretation process do we have a reminder of of the ditty we have so far jonathan let's do the ditty what does the bible say did the english translation get in the way why don't you look at the context and then other ba, ba, steps ba, ba, will coming and something yep there we go We'll see. We'll see. Another another episode to work on the last two steps of the ditty. I love it. We can we can get can get our ditty. Man, this it, thing this thing's got to land. It really does. <laughs> and now, it's a lot of pressure on steps. 
of the other steps there coming. is there is a lot of pressure but i want to i want to try to look at it a little differently right now and i mean i'm sure our listeners just like me and you are excited to hear what steps four and five even are but let's take a backward step and recognize how many really challenging verses have we already covered this season only using three steps right if if all you had were these three tools to read the bible most of it you would have the right interpretation no kidding granted all the doctrine we've already taught in the first five seasons but that's the way I want to look at it. Instead of looking at it like, man, when are we going to get to steps four and five? I'm like, look at all the work we did in just three steps. Absolutely. So cool. Yeah, I was talking to someone recently and I'm like, yeah, you could have a bunch of tools and a bunch of, you know, steps. You know, let's say you had 15 steps and you you only use two of them. Well, that wouldn't be as effective as the person who only has three tools and uses them completely. Right. It's right. Use we are using the tools completely that we have. Yeah, we are. And what we're doing here, these steps are bringing us through exposing and removing any contradictions that man has introduced into the Bible. So these three steps are already helping us in huge ways become contradiction removers. Excellent. Alrighty, now we are at the point to find out what the ultimate answer is. So what's the ultimate answer, Joel? First, a reminder, we know the Bible may have conflicts in what is stated, but we also know the Bible does not have contradictions in the why or in the doctrine. So the ultimate answer here from Isaiah 53.10 is that the Father was pleased by Christ's bruising because it signified the value that would be needed for God's plan to happen and the bridge that was created between God and man. The pleasure God took through this was not about the pain Jesus went through, Mm. but what the bruising resulted in. In fact, we know that Jesus endured the cross himself for the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? The church. Despite something being tough in the moment, the long-term effect largely outweighed the immediate pain. Amazing. I mean, they even talk about this in the Bible about uh, when a woman births a child. Oh, right. Right? Like the pain that was endured, the child far exceeds the amount of pain endured. Yeah. You know? And that's the why act- we could see that. I mean, to to just be do a direct comparison. It's like, you look at this as if, Jesus is birthing the bridge between man and God. The pain of being that bridge is nothing in comparison to the benefit that even God and Jesus will experience as an effect of that bridge. Amazing. Thank you, Joel. This has been What the Flock. If you'd like a deeper study of this verse and how to deal with people who believe the man-made traditional perspectives, Listen to the Music of Life Church podcast companion episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.